welcome back to another episode of Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, quite the eventful weekend for you and the Fireside crew. How was it? It was great. Uh, you know, Pinstripe Pride event was pretty fun. Got to, you know, talk to a lot of different players, all that stuff. We'll be getting interviews out soon. So, you know, if you guys want to know how that went, get a couple days. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a fun event, fun weekend. A little bit tired, but, uh, you know. Thankfully, powered by some coffee from what you can't, you guys can't see this, but this great Fireside Yankees, uh, is it like a mug? You call it a mug, right? It's not uh, like, it's, it's a mug-ish thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's sick as fuck. That's what it is. It's sick as fuck. And uh, <laughs> shout out Sam. Sam got us this for Christmas. Sam. It is really you, nice. I, if our, bear. I'll vouch to our listeners that that thing is actually very, very nice. Yeah, no, it's sick as fuck. I, it's, it's, it's so cool. But yeah, I'd say I had a very good weekend. Max, how's your weekend, man? How's, how's things going? Uh, it's going good. We had our first Saturday practice yesterday. Um, we had some of our younger guys throw and everything. Um, you know, it's we're progressing towards tryouts, which are in a week and a half and everything. So we're starting to kind of lock in on our team and everything, kind of do what we can to get the guys that we have in the best position possible. Um, you know, we're starting to build up our guys who are going to start and everything as well. So it's pretty fun. Um, we finally had some like real big baseball news outside of just random relievers signing. Um, we know no disrespect to the strange contract that Wandy Peralta signed or the fact that Keenan Middleton is at the Cardinals or Phil made or the Rays actually signed a reliever. I guess with that, like that's worth a five second thing. The Rays signed a reliever. Can you, what? That's weird. That's crazy. They signed Phil Maton. Do we know the contract details of that yet, by the way? I don't think we do. Those, those haven't been released yet, right? That's yeah. odd. It's I mean, been like two days. Think of it like this, though. I mean, obviously, you know, Phil Maton signing with the Rays is disastrous for the Yankees. I mean, clearly, their offseason has been horrible. I mean, oh, they haven't yeah. acquired anybody. I mean, oh, yeah. what's it's going all... on? Cashman's sleeping. I mean, you have the – I mean, he's he's not awake. Boone doesn't even care. He's at this pinstripe pride event thing, like signing autographs. Are you kidding me? Then he was at UNC and Duke. I mean, Duke at UNC. You know where Mike Elias was making a trade? Where's Aaron Boone? Oh my God. No, I'm joking. I'm obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the, I guess because the Rays actually did sign a reliever, it makes sense that it's taking forever to actually, you know, know what happened uh, with the contract in that regard. Um, But yes, as, as Ryan hinted, Michael Elias did make a trade this week, and it's a, it's a big one. I mean, uh, in terms of trades this offseason, it's not quite the Juan Soto level, but this is, I mean, probably the second biggest trade of the offseason. The Milwaukee Brewers traded Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles for D.L. Hall, Joey Ortiz, and a compensation pick equal to the 34th pick in the draft. Lots of reactions early to the trade were, that's it, or are those guys really worth Corbin Burns? Um, and lots of fans across different fan bases were like, why couldn't we beat that? Um, before we get into like why teams value what they value in prospect evaluation, which we're going to spend a lot of time on today, you have to understand one thing first. The Baltimore Orioles could be any offer out there once they decided like we got to have Corbin Burns, which since the trade was made, they clearly decided they had got to have Cor- Corbin Burns. So just remember that this is the team with the best farm system in baseball. Yeah, I mean, look, I first off, great trade for the for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm not look, I maybe the Brewers, look, I'm I'm not like saying the Brewers can't get like good value out of this deal. Um, I'm not like I I think I'd be silly to say that it's impossible. 
Um, but I'm going to say is that I am never going to sign off on a team before the season starts that had a chance to compete, punting away their year. It's a disservice to the fan base. It's a disservice to players on the team. It's a disservice to a lot of people in that organization. I understand that, that relationship was going to eventually come to an end, but Max, you both we both can agree. The deadline still exists. You could have 100% gotten similar value at the deadline. You could say, well, what if you got worse? And, you know, you're, you're looking to, to rebuild, but they're not like a clearly awful team. After signing Reese Hoskins, not that they're good, but you know what I'm saying? It's the NL Central. They're a pitching and defense team. Bats kind of come around at the deadline for cheap. You can find some guys. Uh, you know, they do have a good farm system. They have a guy like Jackson Chirillo who's going to start center field for them. Christian Yelich had a bounce back here. William Damas had a down year. He's certainly a guy who could have rebounded. We don't even know if he's going to be on the team next year, though. Uh, you know, I, I just felt as if this was a premature decision to rebuild or not rebuild. They said they're not rebuilding, but. That's what they're doing. Right. You know, I'm not going to like this trade from their perspective for that reason. But getting back to the Orioles here, because that's the main story. They needed an ace. That's exactly what they got. Their rotation goes from to look is it perfect no but you got Kyle Bradish and Corbin Burns man that's fucking sick Grayson Rodriguez I think will become a pretty good starting pitcher um you know you just you have two lottery tickets and John Means and Dean Kramer now I don't love the direction of Kramer for next year because not a lot of strikeouts not an obscenely low walk rate and damage contact isn't great um the but, stuff's not amazing right but if that's your fifth starter right like just kind of figure it's it out. Fine. Like, yeah. yeah. John Means has had a track record of major league success. I, I think he'd be a solid four starter. They're still, they have everyone there. They really need to make a big, big deal. Uh, You know, for a starting pitcher still there. Like if Hazel Cesaro becomes available, you know, Dylan Cease either now or at the deadline, you know, stuff of that nature. They they have ammo to just outbid teams. Like this doesn't pull that. They still probably have. I mean, they still have the best farm system. In and this is coming in the same week where they have new ownership too. Yeah. Which a lot of rumors of new ownership fueled the trade. I don't think so. Like, I just think that this was a deal that gets made regardless. Right. Like new ownership wasn't like, Hey, go get me Corbin Burns, especially the, with the way both Elias and uh, Arnold on the Brewer side talked about it in the sense of like, yeah, we've been discussing for a few weeks and everything like this. It just seemed like a we weren't reporting, you know, there weren't public reports on it, but it seemed like a when, not if kind of situation, given the way they talked about it. Yeah. And look, again, I understand that they were not like I understand Corbin Burns in 2025 would play for a different team. I get it. Completely understand that. Um, I just again, like I just feel like you owe it to your fan base and you owe it to the nature of what this is. You're trying to win a World Series now. Um, and if that, you know, if that wasn't your objective, I understood if they were like just selling off pieces all winter. But you signed Reese Hoskins. Like, why'd you sign Reese Hoskins then? You know, I doesn't make sense. You had enough to to reasonably say, all right, you know, let's especially in that division. Yeah, man. Like that division is not what like, they should be doing. Who's is the best team go, in that division? What they should have been doing is trying to go get a Jorge Polanco and say, All right, you know what? Jorge Polanco's cost controlled. You know, we could fill him in our infield. We need infield help. I know that was a big and you know, we'll talk about that. I know it was a big price, but you know Yeah, that was it was a big price. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, like, they should be in the market of finding an infielder, not fucking, I mean, trading a starting, their their best starting pitcher. Their rotation isn't even like, oh, it's a great rotation. They'll just, you know, they have talent. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Joe Ross is in their starting five. There's no disrespect to Joe Ross, but, you know. It, That's my guy, Joe He's Ross. a good guy. He's like, <laughs> I, I like the pickup. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, yeah, I uh, mean, you know, you're, you're, it's a risk. It couldn't work out. Absolutely. But, you know. You know, Joe Ross isn't the caliber of pitcher where you go, all right, we we don't 
we don't need to have a guy above him in the rotation. We need him to be in our starting five. There's kind of levels to this. Like, you could say we're taking a risk and really believe in this guy, um, but we have to understand that the median outcome here is not a great starting pitcher. Um, yeah, and yeah, there's I mean, a lot of question marks, a lot of injury concerns. Burns is your stabilizer, your 30 starts, whatever it may be. Him and Freddie Peralta as a duo, ridiculous. You know, I just I just feel like the Brewers are leaving a, an opportunity to contend on the table and it's not like they were, this is the deadline where it's like, we're 500, you know, we could get better. 500, I get, I don't even care if you're like two games out of a playoff spot. If you're 500 and sell, I understand, you know, like completely get it. And from your perspective, I'd say like, yeah, the playoffs are random, but I'm sorry. We're more like the 2023 Marlins than like the 2023 Diamondbacks, if you catch my drift. Um, you know, like I just, I feel like they left something on the table here. But again, from the Orioles perspective, what a phenomenal Russia. trade for them. What a, ph- yeah. this is exactly what they needed. And this is how you go from, what the fuck are we doing off season two? This is a great off season. Like you, I, I, I don't care what they could do. Nothing else. This is a great off season for them. This is this is every. It is crazy how, how one trade kind of changed their off season from dude. This is the most one of the most disappointing off seasons in recent memories. To all right, seems good. Like very good. Um, yeah. I mean, Burn. You're right. Burns is exactly what they needed. They needed a guy who was going to be an ace and could go start game one of the playoffs. And you know give them 180 to 200 innings. There were a lot of people who were like, oh, if you look at his three, the past three years, he's regressed every single year. That's a bit misleading. Uh, he struggled mightily in the first half in 2023. Like, yeah, there were lots of concerns. And I'm not trying to ignore that. Like, that's certainly a part of the analysis here. But in the second half of 2023, he was much more like himself. Uh, revamped the yeah. stuff. The stuff got better. The slider was better. Command got a lot better too. He looked more like the, oh yeah, that's the guy who won a Cy Young a couple of years ago. Like, and I think that's important to note here. Like, do I have concerns about going from the NL Central to the AL East? Sure. I know his interleague numbers are crazy good, you know, and he likes the competition, but still it's, it's, it's different. Right, like it's just like the AL East is such a goddamn gauntlet to get through that you know you don't know how it impacts people. I will say I said the same thing about Kevin Gosman, and he's been nothing but fantastic since the you know Blue Jays have acquired him. So the question here in regards to Burns with the Orioles is, you know, I think D.L. Halls is such a Milwaukee Brewer like that. It justifies things from the Orioles end of like, if any team could get, you know, something out of them that you couldn't, maybe it's the Brewers, but is it really worth it? Yeah, absolutely. The question is with new ownership now in town, you know, can they afford Burns long-term? I still lean towards this is a one and done situation. Like, I just think he's there for a year. You try to win a ring. If you do, you let him walk. Cool. Who cares? You won the ring. But if you don't, people are going to be like, oh, when D.L. Hall, who I think could actually be pretty good in Milwaukee if he just stays healthy enough, um, is, you know, pitching to a 3.4 ERA, you know, and 165 innings with the Milwaukee Brewers, people would be like, we gave that guy up for Burns. I think you just kind of have, like, if you're if you're a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, are you okay with that reality? Because, listen, winning a championship is more likely, uh, is less likely to happen than not winning one. And him walking is significantly more likely to happen than him staying. So if you're an Orioles fan, are you okay with that outcome? 
because it's possible. Now, I want to preface this by saying I do not work for front office. I will never work for front office because I'll never have the skills necessary to do so. Fucking go for it. Exactly. I Like, I'm, dude, especially from an Orioles fan perspective, you've been going at this. All right, we need to be sustainably good. You know, we want to kind of build ourselves up to this point. You've been going at that thing for a fucking minute. Go for it. Guns a-blazing, just go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just go out and try to win the World Series. The AL is very weak, in my opinion. There's not, like, not in the sense that there's not a lot of good teams, but there's not, a, there's no, like, there is no Los Angeles Dodgers of the American League. There is no Atlanta Braves of the American League. There is a lot of, and they're pretty good, but, you know, like, kind of like, but, you know what I mean? Like, but this or but that, you know? Not say the Braves and Dodgers don't have flaws, but they're going to they're gonna destroy their divisions and win the division by 10 plus games and also lose in the first round. But that's neither here nor there. When it comes to the AL, it's all right. The Houston Astros obviously have the most playoff success out of any team in the last seven years. But with that being said, they're a flawed team. Like, I don't think they're a perfect team. I don't think they've done everything they needed to address a lot of the flaws they had. I think they've made some smart moves. But like Josh Hader, I think is like, going to make them a lot better. But again, I just don't view them as like, oh, this team is perfect. You know, like there are some serious question marks. The starting pitching, like how's the starting pitching going to look next year? How confident are we that they're going to get, you know, the bounce backs they need? It's not like some of the guys, like Verlander, how good would Verlander be next year? You know, when he kind of took a step back last year in terms of ERA and strikeout rates. Jose Urquides, he a good starting pitcher. The tracker would say he's more average, um, but is average fine for a fifth starter? Probably. You know, uh, Hunter Brown is working on adding, you know, uh, tweaking his slider a little bit. He has good uh, peripherals. He is a guy who I think is very talented and can become a good starting pitcher, but he'll have to put it together. Um, you know, Christian Javier, what the hell happened there? Uh, there are some question marks here. Um, the Yankees, they have question marks in the rotation. A lot of injury concerns. Blue Jays, kind of like, eh, you know. Rays, they've lost a lot of value. Um, now, they do a really good job of replenishing it, but there are certain players that you just can't replenish. And we're not going to get into why certain of those players aren't going to be there, but you, underst- you, you understand who I'm referring to here. Red Sox, I mean, they didn't really do anything. Could be good next year, but not great. Uh, Rangers lost or don't have Montgomery currently. I don't really know what they're going to do with their bullpen either. Um, there's the AL Central is a joke, always. Uh, like, always is a joke. So the AL is wide open. The Orioles should go for it. Um, I, I think it's a great move for them. As a Yankee fan, I'm obviously distraught. But, man, from a baseball perspective, great for Baltimore, great for baseball. And I'm not going to lie, Max, this is a home run move. Like, this is like... It's a great this move. Is, this, this is, is just like uh off season's great. This again, this is not the to the extent that Burns is not the player that Soto is, but this is their version of like Juan Soto. Like they needed to do this. And they did. And again, if you're a fan sitting there saying to yourself, why didn't my team match that? DL Hall is such a guy that the Brewers have historically loved guys like him. And once the Orioles kind of were like, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll part with Hall. That's, that's it. It's over. Like, like, unless teams were willing to pay, like, you know, for a Yankees example, unless the Yankees were willing to include somebody like Lalane or Jones, probably not going to happen. Unless, you know, the Dodgers were willing to kind of, and they already traded Bush, right? But, like, unless the Dodgers were willing, I don't know if they really have any. Pit- like, yeah, maybe. Like, and, you know, let's be real here. Um, there's a good, like, the way the negotiations work, 
hey, maybe the Brewers like, look, we just really want DL Hall. Like all of our internal metrics say this guy, like we need him. The same way that, that you know, probably what happened again. They love guys like him. Yeah, like the same way, you know, if you're a Yankees fan or an Orioles fan, you're like, man, I really want Corbin Burns compared to like Dylan Cease or like, you know, or like, uh, you know, a guy, a guy even like a, like a Shane Bieber, right? You know, I'm not saying that Corbin Burns is to pitching prospects what D.L. Hall is, is to pitchers what D.L. Hall is to pitching prospects. But if the Brewers are like, yeah, we really fucking want this guy, what, what are we going to, like, what can, what can another, what can a front office not named the Baltimore Orioles or Milwaukee Brewers do? to change Convince that. them yeah nothing, you can't be like nothing. what will you want brian cash and do a presentation like deal hall is awful and here is why number one you should like will warren instead yeah. like will yeah. warren came on fireside yankees deal hall has not hey there, there we go will indisputable warren facts by the way shout out will warren um, uh yeah no like yeah, it's it's just that's just it like sometimes it's not about hey best way to put it Sometimes Yankee fans, it's just not about us. Correct. There's a, and as somebody with main character syndrome, that's hard to digest. Like when somebody's like, "Hey, it's not about you," I say to them, "Excuse me, everything's about me." But you know, this this just isn't about the Yankees. It's about the Brewers and the Orioles. And the Orioles made a great trade. That's just how life works. Speaking of trades that we we mentioned earlier, right after we basically recorded and uh, released the episode, Twins. And the Mariners made a trade, uh, and it's Ryan. It's kind, of, yeah, it's, uh, it's not that great for Seattle, in my opinion. Um, but let's let's give it. So Seattle got Jorge Polanco, and you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, that's awesome! They got the second baseman that they needed. Like, you know, finally they got somebody who can who can hit and play second base for them. This is what they've been missing the past two years." Uh, but I know we just talked about like going for it and everything. And that's great. And I fully am on board and it's Jerry DePoto. He loves making trades. He can't, can't, can't help himself. Uh, <laughs> but they traded Anthony Descofani. That's fine. Contracts, nothing. And you know, you got plenty of pitching um, and the twins can actually like use Descofani and might be able to get something out of them. Uh, Justin Topa. Okay. Um, so starting pitcher and a reliever, Topa's pretty good. Like he had a really solid year last year, but again, Mariners have a plethora of pitching. So you're like, okay, that's fine. Then they also traded outfield Gabriel Gonzalez. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, three for one. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hefty at this point, but like, you know, Jorge Blanco is pretty solid. Like, you know, you're kind of know what you're getting with the bat and everything gloves, leaving lots of desired where Seattle loses me here is they traded Darren Bowen, who uh, he's going to be a top 100 prospect at some point in this season. Uh, he's really good. It, it, the stuff's just so good. Um, he he's he's a dude, and including like if it were Desclafani, Tapa, and Gonzalez or Bowen, I think you can. I like I would be like, okay, that's fair, that's justifiable. But the fact it's those four plus cash considerations for Polanco. I get like I just I just we just praised the Orioles for going for it and everything like that. But man, this felt super steep. Like super steep. Yeah, so I, I think the there's the the twins definitely got a, a good haul in this deal for Jorge Polanco. There are injury concerns with him. 
you know, there are some concerns that he may not be healthy enough to provide value and the defense isn't great, which kind of lowers your floor as a player. But I do like him overall. It's just, I love Jorge Polanco. I think he's a really good player and, I, and I'm really excited to have, you know, I'm really excited to see him in Seattle. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's kind of like, all right, you know, like it just feels like a lot. I, again, I think I'm more, I think I'm more on the Mariners side here than you are just because they're going for it. And I'm not going to sit here and go, why aren't the Mariners doing anything? And then go, why are the Mariners doing so much? Like I, I'm, you know, like I, I think, yeah, I, get I think, that. I, I, I think it's nuanced. I think, you know, we'll see how this deal plays out. But as you mentioned, you are giving up four players. That's a decent amount of lottery tickets. You know, you hand out enough lottery tickets, you're going to start winning something. You know, there's, that's just how it works. Um, I'm not saying, say, you know, wait, go ahead. Sorry. I will say this about Polanco and the last four full seasons, 120 WRC plus 124, 119, 118. He can hit. Like, yeah, he can mash. He can, he can hit. A little uh, concerned about how it works in Seattle though. I was about to get to that. The fit in Seattle is a little concerning. A little concerning. He yeah. does. Does he hit fly balls? Yes. That's good. He's not a ground ball hitter, which is good. He had a, he had a 28.7% ground ball rate and it's dropped each of the last four seasons. So that's good. Uh, the batted ball data is solid. Right, it's it, the barrel rate actually last year was really good, and the hard hit rate was a career high. So that's good. Struck out a little bit more last year, probably to make those adjustments to have that, um, you know, level of batted ball quality and everything. The defense is, I mean, it's fine at second base. Like, I guess if you're, it depends on how you feel about OOA versus defensive run saved. But you know, he. It's just fine. Like, it's not amazing. It it's not good. <laughs> it, it's just fine at best. So, you know, one defensive run saved and negative five OA last year. Negative one defensive run saved in twenty twenty two versus negative nine OA the year prior. It's just a matter of is this the right fit in your stadium? Maybe. Um, he does things that it might lead to success in that stadium. Again, lots of pulled fly balls. Those are, that's good. Um, but I don't know. It's, they gave up a lot, a lot. Yeah. It's concerning. And I will say this as well. Um, you know, when you're looking at this trade from our perspective, you know, and, and this is why I ultimately approve of this trade. We no longer have to see, and, and and hallelujah, thank the Lord, no more Glaber Torres to Seattle trades. Bobby Milan, I love you, man. No more of those trades. No more firing up the trade simulator. None of that stuff. Now, because of this, Glaber Torres is getting traded midseason to Seattle. You know that's going to happen. Like, you understand that's going to happen. Right? Like, we understand that will happen because I said this. It's just, but now it's just, we can put that away. It's the jinx. We can put it to bed for now. It's a great day for me. It's a great day for my Twitter feed. It's a great day for any Yankee fan. And yes, I just went on a tangent about how not anything's about the Yankees. Well, guess what? Everything's about me. See, like there's <laughs> there. This is the this is why like you got to tie it back to that. I also mentioned this. Everything is ultimately about me, and I don't have to see on my timeline. But end of the day, if we're gonna give grades. What would you grade the Mariners at and the Twins at? I think I'd go B for the Mariners. B plus for the twins, A maybe? 
for the Twins? I think I would go A minus for the Twins and probably a B minus for the Mariners here. Like you're getting, they're making moves to try and win on a limited budget, um, which is not Depoto's fault. Like they should. Let's be honest. Was there really any reason for them not to be big on the bidding of Otani and Yamamoto? Like their ownership just decided. Not just not, that. Soto. And Soto, right? Soto, like dude, Soto is exactly Soto, what they Look, you could they, argue if they wanted Otani, he might not have gone there still because of the Dodgers. Man, if they wanted Soto. Soto, they would have had him. Would, yeah, that motherfucker. They would have had him because they could have given up Miller, Wu, Gilbert. You pick two of those guys and then throw in another one, right? Throw in Bowen, right? Dude, they yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Do you throw in? Honestly, you could say Topa and Bowen are half of a Juan Soto deal. Yeah, and then just fill out with Gilbert and Miller. (laughs) No offense to the the Yankees. You don't even have to give Wu and Miller because Gilbert is a pretty bad in my eyes because he makes you thirty starts a year. That's it. I just you can't find. I guess you could go. I guess you could go Gilbert, Topa, and Bowen, or Wu Miller, Topa, Bowen. I think the latter, just because, like, I, I don't think they want to trade Gilbert for one year Juan Soto. Right, but they didn't want to yeah. spend on money anyway. So yeah, and it's also they're, like, they're what if the, they kept Suarez? Like, what if they kept Suarez? If they right. had, like, their if team they, is just kind of odd. They're, I think they're good, but I just, like, the way I look at this trade is, like, but they could be, like, they could be the best team in the American League. By not a country mile, but a pretty significant margin. If they still had Suarez, they would have a lot of infield of Suarez, Crawford, Polanco, France, rallies your catcher, J-Rod's in center. I like Luke Rayleigh. I don't think he's going to – I don't look, look, the race traded him, so you'd actually have to be like, eh, you know what I mean? But he was a good hitter last year. You imagine he'll be in a solid out corner outfielder. And you just kind of figure it out with what's left in the corner outfield for you. You know what I mean? You just kind of have to – you know, it's a hope and a prayer, right? Some some familiar faces, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if the Mariners... your hope and prayer is the corner outfield, that's fine, man. Like, if right field is where you've got Mitch Garver as well, like, if you're just kind of praying you find a corner outfielder, I'm not saying corner outfielders grow on trees, Max, but I am saying, you know what? No, that is exactly what I'm saying. It it's is easier to find. It is. Field. <laughs> I will say this: the Mariners have a projected WAR total that is higher than the Rays, Rangers, and the Orioles. So. Not by a ton, but like they're projected to be the fifth best team in baseball, according yeah. to Steamer, like not Steamer, uh, Fangraphs. They could legitimately be like I think they're a good team. I think they'll contend. I think they'll make the wild card. I think they'll be a playoff team, and I believe in them. I just sit back and say, what I love they leave on the table. Right, I do. I do like that their pitching staff so much. It's it's so good. Um, it's so, perfect. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's it's filled with dudes. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I question how much they gave up, but at the end, and I question, I only question it just because I, I, I worry about Polanco's fit in that stadium. But I mean, the, yeah, as you said, like, they got Raleigh behind the dish, who's, a, I mean, I think you can agree with me here pretty easily, like a top four catcher in baseball. Like, dude's really good. Um, they're expecting, expecting maybe a bit of a bounce back out of Thai France, which, I mean, he he hit really well for a couple of years. I don't and think it's that unreasonable to expect that. It's not like they were bad last year. They barely missed. It was they like they got really they got really hot towards the middle of the year, and they just kind of stumbled. Right? They just couldn't finish. They kind couldn't. Of like myself yeah, they couldn't bed. get they over the couldn't, hump. You know, it just happens. And also, like, who are you more like? Who do you think is more likely to like bounce back? Ty France or Anthony Rizzo? In your opinion, I think it's um, pretty even. 
I yeah. think it's pretty close. And, and I, I think if you're a guy who thinks the Rizzo's going to bounce back, then you have to think France is going to bounce back. And I would also argue this too. What do, like I'm not saying the ALS is a cakewalk, but there are two just dog walks. Like you could crush the Angels and Athletics. The Red Sox aren't necessarily A's. Like they're not they're Angels not bad. level bad. They're, they're not definitely bad. not A's level bad. You play the Red Sox. You you know if you're like the Yankees, you should beat the Red Sox. But you're not gonna think, all right, I'm fucking winning. You know, 90 percent of games I'm playing them. You're thinking more seventy percent as a good number. Like you win seventy percent of your games against the Red Sox, you're doing a good thing, right? Yeah. And then oh yeah, there's no there's not like there's an Angels and an A's. There's the Red Sox and like Rays, Jays, Yankees, Orioles are just kind of all. I wouldn't be shocked if any of the four teams won the division. Like I don't yeah, see- they're they're all. I don't think the difference between like the Yankees and the Jays is enough to make to where if one finished above the other, I'd be like surprised. Yeah, and the Rays and Orioles, like I like the Orioles are good. Don't get me wrong, but you know you can you can understand yeah, like, flawed if the, teams. If the Angels finished better than the Mariners, you and I would be stunned. Like, dude, if they finished be, any higher than fourth, I'd be fucking just. I don't care. How, I don't care what happened to Texas, man. God, dude, they could lose every starting pitcher in the world if they somehow finished behind the Angels. I'd be stunned. Yeah, it 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 take a lot. Right. Uh, the Mariners could use an upgrade at third base, but other than that, like they're relatively fine. Like, yeah, they'll yeah, be fine. They'll, they'll be good be next year. They'll be they'll good be, this yeah. Year. They'll they'll be a, they'll be a solid team. Um, speaking of trades and, and you know what's been going on, the prospects are heavily involved at this time of the year and everything. And you know, as we get closer to spring training, which is about to open in about a week, you know, prospect hope and everything. You know, you you have such high expectations or maybe you don't but high hopes for these prospects and everything um the big four in the prospect world baseball um, america baseball prospectus mlb pipeline and then kylie mcdaniel's uh espn top 100 prospects have all been released um espn baseball america and baseball prospectus uh, have also put out their farm system rankings and we want to talk about those a little bit just real quick, I think uh, the consensus starts with the Orioles have a very good farm system. But I think if you were, you know, kind of falling asleep, the NL Central has a few teams that have just great farm systems. The Brewers and the Cubs have some really, really good farm systems. Yeah, I'm not going to sleep on the Cardinals here either, who have just kind of churned consistently solid, like just a, just a tunnel of good position players. They've struggled on the pitching side of the ball. They're kind of like the Red Sox in terms of like their farm system. And like you look at the position player talent, and you're like, wow, there are some dudes here. Pitching-wise, though, has not been great for them. They have Tink Hens, who I would say is a top 100 prospect, and I have a lot more faith in him than any prospect the Red Sox organization on that front. But if like the St. Louis Cardinals, like the third or fourth best, farm system in your division we've got a pretty fucking tough division in terms of farm systems the brewers obviously they have jackson churio you can hear me say oh my god like this guy could be you know one of the best center fielders in baseball just next year not just oh in a couple years from now it's gonna happen as soon as next year he's gonna start the year on the team i know that there are a lot of talks about paul skeens fastball but let's be real here this is a very good pitching prospect look is he better than steven strasberg as a prospect no See, you know, going to be the best pitcher in the world? Probably not. But if your bar for greatness is, are they the best player at the position? And that's the only way they can be a successful elite prospect. Then you should, you're not, you're not viewing prospects the right way, right? Because if you're saying Jackson Holiday's only success if he's the best shortstop in baseball, that's crazy talk. 
right? Like that's, in my opinion, that's crazy talk. You're being insane. Yeah, he's you, you he's like a mean? 65 value, future value prospect. And that's like a three and a half, four win player. Right. So we talked about, you know, it's weird. I think Skeens gets over and underrated because of it, because overrated in a sense of like, yeah, he's not Steven Strasburg. This isn't like the greatest pitching prospect we've ever laid eyes on. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he's bad. It just means he's not the greatest we've ever seen. There's nothing wrong with not being the greatest we've ever seen, number one. And number two, being the best prospect of all time doesn't mean anything. Like, nothing doesn't mean anything. But, like, you know, Steven Strasburg might be the best pitcher prospect of all time. Is he a top three pitcher of the last 20 years? No. Right? Like, you get my point? It's things happen. I mean, we're, this is why we're talking about prospects. You mentioned, you know, high hopes, maybe not high hopes. It, it, things of that nature, guys get hurt, things happen. Um, and, and then, you know, looking at some of the other guy, top guys, the Reds have kind of seen a lot of their guys go from the minor leagues to the major leagues. So they're going to start falling a little bit in rankings, but obviously they still have a, a very good pool of young talent. And the Cubs, man. Dude, the Cubs. Cubs I, what yeah. are they? On baseball perspectives, I believe they had nine top 100 101 prospects they got they prospectus also ended up ranking them i believe third or second they had them as the second best farm system uh in all of baseball i mean yeah that baseball america if i remember correctly also had them in their top five um yeah they had them four so this is a really good farm system i know pca gets a lot of attention as well as kate horton but you know Shaw and Bush now there and uh, Cassie, I think is how you say it, right? Uh, yeah. Owen Cassie. Yeah, I mean, they, they're, they, I'm not sure how much Bush is, is going to be a liability in the field, but like PCA can go out and get a baseball in center field and Kate Horton's going to be pretty damn good. You know, he's a, there's a lot of, lot to like in that arm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Cubs have a really, really good farm system there. Um, the, the Brewers, I mean, we just talked about even with DL Hall, Baseball America has them as the second best farm system, and Prospectus has them as the fourth best. Uh, ESPN has them as fifth too. So that's three outlets giving you a top five grade. That's good, man. That's good. This is a, I, it. Is interesting that most of the outlets were pretty much in consensus consensus about what the top ten roughly looks like. I thought it was interesting. The top 10, generally speaking, is in some order. Uh, the Orioles, obviously, are first. Cubs, Dodgers, Brewers, Rangers, Padres, Yankees, Mets, uh, Rays. And then kind of a, a flotation, a little bit of like the Tigers get some love. Um, the Reds get some love. The Pirates. The made on ESPN's top 10. Which is interesting. Um, but Diamondbacks also got some love too. They were 11th by prospectus. It's interesting because the Tigers are 15th by prospectus here. Um, but you know, again, Baseball America has them, I believe, fifth. Diamondbacks so. only 21st on ESPN, which is Ooh, it's interesting. Mc, that's that's interesting that McDaniel ranks them so low. So some disagreements as you'd expect to see and everything. But I mean, if you're a fan of the New York teams, I mean, two top 10 farm systems. That's Given how, especially for the Mets, given what people used to think about their their player development, being able to be like, hey, we have a top 10 farm and like an owner who's willing to spend and now a president of baseball operations who's pretty, you know, pretty well regarded in the industry. You got to feel pretty good about the long term standing of your team. 
Yeah, like to, to to also say this right now, uh shout out to Big Into the Rumble Ponies. A lot of talent there that that has come through there. Um no, but seriously, as you mentioned, you know, there's there's some their their pitching development should take a couple steps forward in the coming years, which is really encouraging. Christian Scott's kind of like the first, in my opinion, kind of like the guy that they've taken as underrated guy, not like uh not like a dude you expected to be a stud prospect, and has really made a name for himself. He made it on baseball prospects in his top 100, correct? Because I think he was also on ESPN's at like 99. Christian um, Scott. Yes. Yeah, he was he was on Prospectus, not on Baseball America. And he was on ESPN. So that's two top hundred placements. That's really good, man. Like that's really, really strong. And and honestly, I think I'm leaning towards top hundred. Like I've kind of danced in and out of that because of you know some concerns with injuries and whatever. But man, I just think the stuff is good enough. Like I think he's a top hundred guy. Did a really yeah, good job I, with I, deadline. Like you know? I think so. I saw McDaniel had Will Warren top one hundred, which was I mean, I like Will Warren. I would probably consider him a borderline top 100 guy too. But I think if you think Will Warren's a top 100 guy, you think you should think Christian Scott's a top 100. I guy. agree, 100 like, percent agree. I think they're roughly in that same kind of tier. Like maybe in the you could rank them anywhere from like 90 to 105, and I think you're probably right on track with that. Um, 100 percent agree. Yeah. So the San Diego Padres, you know, obviously after making the Juan Soto trade where they only actually got one top 100 prospect there in Drew Thorpe, but they got a pretty darn good top 100 prospect there. Um, by baseball perspectives, Drew Thorpe, I believe, was ranked 46th overall. Baseball America had him 58th overall. Uh, McDaniel, I think he was a little lower on Thorpe, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I think he was outside of the top 50 for yeah. them. Probably, I but, think he was in the 60 to 70 range. I don't think, I think he's, I think he's pretty clearly in like, in the forties, fifties for me personally speaking, but I mean, he's probably going to be in their opening day rotation. And also the Padres, they got some intriguing arms in their system. I mean, Lesko, who's coming off injury is pretty interesting. Um, uh, obviously Snelling is, is up there as well. Thorpe, as we just mentioned, but they, they got Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez. And I think if they use Johnny Brito in the role that Michael King had in New York, man, that, the, the Padres bullpen is going to be kind of nasty next year. Give me the big dog, Johnny Brito. The big dog. <laughs> big dog. Oh, yeah. Big dog. Tiger the big Boys. dog. I love, dude. I, first off, just want to say this. You know, uh, you know, somebody wrote an, uh, an article about his breaking ball back in August and was called a moron for, um, you know, discussing it. And, I just, you know, I'm not going to say names. Names, you know, saying names, I'm, I'm, that's beneath me. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a vengeful person. Well, that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a very fair understanding forgiving individual but i mean pitching development is one of those things where if you're running a guy off like 10 games into their career they got good velo they've got you know some good movement profiles just give them time you know i'm not saying they're always going to be good but you've got to get an extended run of these guys dude johnny brito look like like, this i'm gonna i'm saying this because i know he's good now and i can say it and i think you know anybody listening to this will understand what you know it's it's an exaggeration he looked like a bum for the first few months like a bum. And as a prospect, it was like, I oh, just strike guys out. He's a command first guy, sinker guy, probably not going to be very good. The command wasn't very good early. It wasn't. It was supposed to be good and it wasn't, right? It was, cra- it was crazy. And he just, you know, he adds a sweeper and you're like, oh my God, this guy's a stud for this bullpen. You know, it, it actually hurts to lose Johnny Brito, which when we're talking about a Juan Soto deal, if you told me in in, in March of last year, if you only this, this time last year, Hey, uh, the Yankees are trade Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, Michael King, Drew Thorpe, and Kyle Gashioka for Juan Soto. You'd be like, dude, what the fuck are the Padres doing? 
What are they doing? Yeah, you you would kind of think that. You would but instead you you kind of look at it and go, man, the Padres got to like. You would say, man, out of four really intriguing arms. You know what I'd go as far as to say? Yeah, they didn't end up keeping Juan Soto, but that initial trade for Juan Soto from the Nationals on their end, fucking great deal, great yeah. deal. Keeping what they seeing what they traded and what they what they turned that into. It's also because who they traded them to. I another, understand. Yeah, is another but part of that. You there? That is a lot of, in my opinion, that is a lot of really quality talent to add to your roster and a controllable pitching talent. You know, between um, you know, between Vasquez, Thorpe. And Brito, that's Vasquez is six, Thorpe hasn't started his service clock, and Brito is five. That's like, I mean, dude, that's fucking 17 total years of pitching control. Yeah. Good lord, man. And those are, I think they'll all be above average pitchers at the major league level. That's success. Michael King, I think Michael King's really good. So love that trade for them. Love it for them. Even though, you know, the service level is not great trading Juan Soto, but considering the circumstances, it did pretty damn good. Completely agree. One of the uh, one of the biggest drop offs we saw was actually the Washington Nationals went from a top ten farm to about a mid tier farm, despite the fact that they still have roughly two top ten prospects in Dylan Cruz and James Wood. Uh, they also have Brady House, who's been ranked around like fifty five ish or so um, by most um, prospect rankings and everything. So they have around they have three top one hundred guys. But, I mean, you've been rebuilding for, you know, essentially three years now. And you get James Wood. You lock into Dylan Cruz. No offense to Paul Skeens, but you, you lock into Dylan Cruz, um, who I think is very good. And if he can, you know, I know he didn't put up the numbers that we were hoping to see. But, like, I still think he's going to be a phenomenal player in Major League Baseball. But James Wood saw some contact regression last year and the nationals are not historically known as the franchise to fix contact issues um so that's a it's kind of discouraging that that they went from a top 10 farm to a mid-tier farm but not because they didn't graduate anybody just their guys kind of got worse and that's not good it's not good yeah it's i mean considering okay like kind of circling back to the Juan Soto deal here in the last few years, you've traded Max Scherzer, Trey Turner. So two years of trades, a year and a half Trey Turner, half a year of Max Scherzer, two and a half years of Juan Soto. And you've drafted Dylan Cruz. Cruz. And sure. I, they also drafted um, James Wood, right? No, no. Oh my God. Uh, Elijah Green. They drafted a house. Um, Didn't they draft Elijah Green too? And Elijah Green. That's yeah. it. Yes. So you've had premium draft picks. You've traded three guys who are, I mean, I don't know if Trey Turner's a Hall of Famer, but he I'll could be. There. He could be. He'll get there. So three guys who could end up in the Hall of Fame. One of one of them, while they were 22 years old and two and a half years of control, like the biggest trade we've ever seen probably in deadline history. Yeah, it was it was the largest return for a player in Major League Baseball history in my And opinion. mind you, the Turner and Scherz deal was a com- combined deal. And, and, so and they you, got they got Kiebert Ruiz, who at the time was like a top 50 prospect, and Josiah Gray, who at the time was a top 75 prospect. Right. And, you know, you draft a lot of high-ceiling players. And, like, C.J. Abrams has become a better player, but he's not even – I don't think he's a shortstop. I just don't no. think he's a shortstop. I think he's a, a second baseman. And that's fine. That's I think perfectly fine. But, like, 
I think he can hit enough, right? Like, it's just we should be talking about a team that's like the Detroit Tigers, even. Like, look, they should be in the same level as the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. That's how good this farm should be. I mean, let's be, let's let, you know what? No, let's, let's, let me, I'm going to be even take a step forward here because they're a bigger market team than the Milwaukee Brewers. There's no excuse as to why they're still god awful. It's not like they're like I know people are like oh well they improved on the win record from the year prior. Yeah, they went like it's two who cares? Same ass. Yeah, you know <laughs> it's two chicks in the same ass. I'm sorry. Like look, I don't I I'm not like the excuses that people come up with sometimes for god awful teams. You don't have to accept garbage, right? You don't. This is garbage. What's it's garbage? It's garbage. Like so they get so. The the Soto return is Robert Hassel, James Wood, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, which at the time was an extremely hefty price to pay. Hassel has not been good for them. He is a lot of floundering there. Um, Wood has been good enough, could be better, right? Like the contact issues are there. C.J. Abrams is probably going to be a solid player. You know what? That's probably going to work out. Mackenzie Gore is not not that good. Like he should be better. Maybe Mackenzie Gore with the right team. Put that guy with the Houston Astros. Put or the Tampa Bay Rays. Maybe not them, but or the Dodgers or the Yankees or maybe even the Twins Dude, or the Brewers. Mackenzie like, Gore to like anybody else. I, I'm like I'm I, I'm not good. Like let's let's. I don't know about that. Like the Cardinals or like the man. The Cardinals Rockies. have good infield defense. I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's true. They did make the Rockies, Dakota. Okay. They made Dakota Hudson look pretty good that one year. The Colorado Rockies, yeah, the Colorado Rockies, that would be a disaster. But it's not. Not it's part of it's yeah. the ballpark too. Like, I just yeah mentioned. You know, it's like, and then I talked about it with uh, with a guest that we've had on before, Jared Seidler. Just does a team like that's good. Like, do the Orioles even draft Elijah Green? With all of his contact concerns, despite his high ceiling, he, Brian, his end zone whiff rates are awful, awful. Like it, he can't hit, he can't hit an off speed pitch. If you wouldn't put Everson Pro on a top hundred list, you there's no put that, way you could put Green there. You no way. Put, you wouldn't consider Green like a Green would be like a thirty five FP prospect, right? If you view yeah. Pereira, like if like this is a guy Pereira, who was the third pick in the draft. I liked the pick. I. I liked because I, I see the upside, but are the nationals, the team to get that upside out of them? Probably and I will not. say this, you know, if we're going to sit here and say, well, maybe they shouldn't have drafted Elijah green. The honestly, the best way to say the, to, to, to talk about why they're not, they've been such a bad organization. We're talking about a team and saying, yeah, they shouldn't draft players with MVP caliber upside because they can't get that out of them. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a damning statement. Like, they're a team that shouldn't draft a Spencer Jones. They're a team that shouldn't be drafting Elijah Green. They're a team that shouldn't be drafting an Aaron Judge. Like, I know I'm using a lot of the Yankee examples here, but that's because the Yankees happen to just draft two guys in the first round that happen to be these giant, hulking, athletic demons. You know what I mean? How can you, as an organization, say, all right, we're 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 doing everything we can to put ourselves in position to win games when you're not able to convert consistently when you're consistently getting the less out of guys than you should 
And when we're sitting here and saying, hey, should they even be drafting this guy, these guys? And look, I think that they should be probably drafting for more like, hey, we need to just get good players. But dude, that's just the losing mentality. You have to draft to get the top players possible. You can't be drafting you for like, to you know. Draft to develop what you're good at. The Yankees right. draft college prep arms because they're good at developing them. The Orioles draft the whitest dude you know because they're good at developing him. No, I'm kidding. The Orioles, the Orioles draft, the Orioles draft left-handed hitting, you know, athletic bats that they want to increase their contact. That's what they draft, and they're good at it. You know, look at their recent run of draft picks. They literally just keep drafting left-handed hitters who they think they can develop their contact ability, who have pretty good power and also pretty good speed. Like they're drafting power speed combos that hit from the left side that can turn into above average contact bats. They're basically taking guys who have 60 or 55 and better future, you know, future power grades with current like 35 hit tools or 40 hit tools and hoping to get it to a 50. Because they're good at it. That's what they're good at. They're good at developing that. Heck, the Astros are the same way. Their they're drafting uh, history recently hasn't been as good. But, I mean, they clearly had a type that they were trying to draft in their years. The Nationals don't know what they're good at, so they don't have a type yet. Now, are they the Kansas City Royals who are routinely ranked in the bottom two in every prospect list? No. But that's not exactly the standard that you want to be held up to. <laughs> like, look, man. Like, let's. St- I mean, the Kansas City Royals are just. It's it's bleak. Though there are it's, rumors that they're rough. working uh, that they might be extending Bobby Wood Jr. Did you see that? Yeah, they, they, that, that might happen soon. Look, I will uh, say this: there's a like the Royals. They've they've done a couple like Cole Reagans. I know that that was outside. That was of a great trade. Like, yeah, but like was... you know, still, I mean, where's the Nationals, Cole Reagans? Right. It's kind of like one of those things. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying, look, it's not, it's not all bleak for the nationals. You're always a couple of hires away from figuring it out, but they had a hiring cycle and they didn't really come out of it. A different organization. It felt like, so that's a little bit, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, usually when you go through a hiring cycle, those are your opportunities and your windows to change your organization. The Yankees fire, uh, or I don't know if they, they it was a, was it his contract expire with Larry Rothschild? I'm not saying they, he's or anything. You they know? let him go. I don't know if the contract was up or not. But yeah, they the Yankees they, moved on from him and they go to Matt Blake. They bring in Sat or they brought in Sam Breen, I believe, first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Breen was, was brought in first. first. Yeah. Um, but it's also the you know, White Sox brought in Brian Bannister. Yeah. Like, right? you like know, they hire Chris Getz. You can debate how good of a hire that was. We talked about it before, but like Brian Bannister is unequivocally a great hire for that organization. The Red Sox hired Craig Breslow and he brought in Kyle Bodie, Justin Fermetta, Andrew Bailey immediately like you feel in three years we're going to look at the red sox and be like oh they got tons of pitching prospects because of those decisions right your hiring cycles are your opportunities to you know and i know people are like oh just fire and hire guys like that well sports like there's a human work like that yeah right you can't just say oh shiny new toy to hire uh fire who i have here hire the new guy that's just not like it's a competitive field and, and there's a lot of uh job turnaround but too much job turnaround creates very fair concerns from like employees saying, Hey, like what's my job security here. And I think part of, you know, the conversation, Max, I think you can attest this as well is, you know, we don't, I'm never going to advocate for, um, I'm never going to like, I don't care what the margin, what the win gain is. I'm never going to advocate for teams to 
treat employees like they're just means to an end you don't want to like you want to have conversations and listen you know we talked about it with the cardinals and everything a couple weeks ago you want to give those guys who have been in your organization a, a while the opportunity to change right like to show that they can keep up with the times there's a reason that brian cashman's still there there's a reason that other guys are still in the positions that they're in and everything if they're shown that they cannot do that then it's a different conversation of like hey man like we gave you a chance to like show that you could make an adjustment and everything like that and it hasn't happened we're not seeing the things that we need to see we need to go in a different direction that's fine yeah that's not what you you want it to be like that but it's not always like that i also um, will say this you know from a working experience I think anybody will say they would rather they would rather work for the employer who gives them the chance to learn and figure it out than work for the employer who's will like just we'll waiting just get rid for of the them. guy just waiting yeah. for the guy to fight to fi- waiting for the guy or gal or whoever it may be to replace you with you know and you know i i just i think that part of what makes an employee feel valued what makes an employee have you know, uh, more of a reserve or a drive to, to get the job done is, you know, knowing that they feel supported. That's in life, right? Like, who wants to be in a relationship where they don't feel supported? Who wants to be in a household where they don't feel supported? Who wants to be in a work environment where they don't feel supported? We're human beings, right? Like, all of us, inevitably, the amount of support we get dictates the confidence we have in our ability to succeed. And, you know, it promotes a healthier work environment. And I know it's, this is like a lot deeper of a conversation than the Nationals farm system, but, you know, all these factors go into whether guys should be hired or fired. And, and it's obviously, it's usually more complex than fans make it out to be. But in this case, Max English just dropped the ball in their hiring cycle. And I think that's going to send the Nationals into a little bit of a downturn. And it's not like the NLEs is getting any easier. The Braves are really smart and young. And the Phillies... They have, they have their fans. core locked up. Like, that's... Yeah. Like their farm system rankings are not great, but who cares? They have so many guys that are there for the next seven years that it doesn't matter. They just drafted Hurston Waldron. God, God, dude, that's still I I I was getting my hopes up. I was getting my hopes up that he he could fall a little bit further. Him and and Chase Davis were both available at like pick twenty three or so. And I was like, dude, one of them might be a Yankee. That's crazy. Um, And then if you look at you know the rest of the AL, oh excuse, not the rest of the AL. I mean, if you look at the rest of the draft, it's like. Dude, you're like, oh my god, one of these like teams that are smart and good are gonna land one of these two guys, and it of course was the Braves who landed yeah. Waldrop because God hates us all. And but, yeah, agreed. And speaking speaking of the the draft, college baseball has been kicking off and getting underway with JUCO baseball that we talked about last week. D two had its opening weekend this week, and you might see a couple guys get drafted at a D two level. But Division one baseball kicks off in a week, and I told when we started this podcast, we said we were going to talk about more than just Major League Baseball. And we're going to talk about a little bit of Division One baseball here right now. We'll probably give some updates on it throughout and everything like that. If you're a looking to, you know, if you're a fan of professional sports, but you're like, hey, like the teams just don't have like that kind of passion and energy. Like you watch the Dominican Winter League and you're like, oh man, why can't we have that here? You should watch college baseball, man, because those guys are animals. They're awesome it's a very very entertaining product because 
they just go crazy because they're like, you know what? We're college students. We can get away with it. Like nobody's going to criticize us if we do something stupid. They'll just be like, oh, they're young and everything like that. Meanwhile, some of them are the same age as guys who were like, you know, in triple A and everything like that. I always thought that was funny. But college baseball is so much fun to watch. It's a really fun product. You're going to watch guys who are going to be really good. I mean, if you watched LSU last year, you watched Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz play together. Those guys are probably, they might make their debuts this year. If you watched FAU, you watched Noah Noah Shanwell, who literally debuted the same year he was drafted last year for the Angels. So Division I college baseball is fun. And I'm currently looking at the Division1Baseball.com top 25. And at the very top, Ryan, we have Wake Forest. Um, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see it, but they were posting clips of Chase Burns' outing yesterday. Uh, Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm not, I wouldn't say I am a Mr. Prospect expert here. Uh, I am certainly a, uh, I'm learning. I'm still a learning guy. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a learner, you know? Um, but what I will say is um, I see a hundred mile an hour fastball and I go, Ooh. the mechanics, dude, the mechanics, like God, man, they're, they, it's like, it looks like I so I think it was Michael um and that's Michael you know what I'm talking about yes um, Michael Donadeo yeah, I think he might have said he's like he's elastic and it's like yeah whippy Obrador it... maybe it was was it I man I just like I'm just thinking like smart NL East fans that's <laughs> my it's my database yeah but I mean Burns is is legit for those who don't know Chase Burns was actually at Tennessee last year and that was actually a good spot for him because Tennessee again Donadeo put it perfectly like. Tennessee is good at getting guys to just like live in the zone a little bit more because they have this mentality of like you're a bulldog, go after it, go get them. And that's good. Like those are, that's good for some guys. And that's what Burns kind of needed. Now he goes to Wake Forest, who is like on the cutting edge of pitching development and college baseball. They are extremely forward thinking. They hold the bridge seminar every year where they invite pitching coaches and pitching minds throughout the game to give talks. Like these guys are legit. And so now they've turned his stuff into something really, really special. I, Chase Burns is a guy who's going to be really, really damn good. Um, coming in at number two is Florida. Obviously, you know, made the College World Series championship game last year. Most of that roster is coming back, so it makes sense. Uh, Arkansas is number three, LSU number four, TCU number uh, five, Vanderbilt number six, Oregon State number seven in the last year of the Pac-12. Shout out Pac-12, Texas A&M, number eight, Tennessee, number nine. And I'm bringing up Clemson. I already mentioned Wake Forest, but you're going to hear a lot of Carolinas, North and South Carolina. If you want to watch college baseball, you got to, you got to come to North and South Carolina because Clemson is at 10. East Carolina is at 11. 12 is Duke. 13 is NC state. 14 is Virginia. 15 is North Carolina. And then at 18, you have coastal Carolina. So right there, I believe that is, let me count it here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is there any more schools? Northeastern. Is Northeastern? No. no. We got South Carolina at 25. Uh, I don't know where Northeastern is. I can't remember. Hang on. Let me, let me, I don't think so. Why would it be in South, North or South Carolina? Northeastern University is in Boston. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else, but either way, eight schools from the Carolinas in the top 25. Um, 
So if you want to watch good college baseball, you you should watch the Carolinas. Um, I want to give a shout out to UC Santa Barbara here. They weren't ranked last year, but they're ranked 17th here. Obviously, Bias was at Santa Barbara City College, uh, and I have a guy on that roster now. But uh, Andrew Chekets has done a very good job over there, the head coach of building kind of, you know, we talked about like the Tampa Bay Rays of college baseball, like finding guys and making them better for, you know, cheap NIL deals and everything, which heavily affects college baseball. I, I think the transfer portal affects baseball more than any other sport because you can just go hop to a development place or you can go hop to LSU or Wake Forest or Vanderbilt and just play for a great school and turn yourself into a dude in the process. So if you're not one of those places, you have to be really damn good at player development. And UC Santa Barbara is very good at player development. But uh, I also want to give a shout out here to um, Texas being 16. A friend of mine actually used to work at Texas and everything. Uh, They got a really good program over there as well. But uh, rounding out the top 25, we also had Kansas State at 24, Northeastern 23, UCLA 22, Texas Tech at 21, Iowa. Would you imagine Iowa being good at baseball? But they have a really good pitching coach. Uh, Shout out. Sean McGrath, he's very, very good. He was just on Baseball America's podcast, and who knows, maybe he'll be coming on this one someday. Um, but I think the the theme here for me in this top twenty five is like you got to be pretty damn good at pitching development because all of these schools are just hunting for arms. Ryan, they're just, the arms race at every level is important, but it's it's clear in these top twenty five uh, from Division One baseball that. You, you you need some arms. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I am, I'm saying this ju- as like somebody who like played high school baseball and like, just kind of how I look at hot, uh, like youth baseball as a whole or like non-professional baseball pitching depth. I feel like is the hardest thing to secure because it's hard to throw strikes. It's so impossibly hard to just make that ball go into this tiny little fucking square and also have good stuff, and it's 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 tough to find pitching. But you know, I mean, I, I'm aware of. I'm not great with college baseball. Don't get me wrong. I'm very inexperienced, very green on that side of the thing uh, of, of baseball. But I do know that um, the South crushes in baseball. Southeast got they've got they've got schools, man. They've got schools. They got they've got talent. Um, as a New Yorker, I am envious of the fact that they get to play baseball all year. And uh, we have to basically, st- I know you can, they're like indoor games, but man, it's not the same. That's some, that's not the same, you know, got to There's, there's a lot of talent down here in the Southeast and everything. Right. And you so, could yeah. argue, well, like, oh, well maybe like for young guys is playing baseball year round really that productive. I'd argue no. Right. Like, yeah, there's there, you need an off season, but when you can train outside, you can throw outside and you can, you know, you can do things, you can. You're out, you can be outside, right? Like that's that's I think it's an important part of it. It is an outdoor sport. Like it's meant yeah, to be it's an outdoor outside. Sport. Yeah. And getting you gotta get reps in. Like I, I I just I feel like in a sense, not like not just like game reps, but also just like, hey, if I'm trying to build velocity and I'm not throwing ever, or I can only throw during the the, the winds the, the warm window, you're whole you limit yourself to I have to play baseball during the spring and summer because I'm not gonna be able to play baseball outside of that, right? If you play this, like you can play during your school year and then take the rest of the year to do whatever you need to do. You can t- pick your points and pick your pockets. So when you want to train, whatever it may be. And I think that the more 
a more mo- like there's a lot more modern approaches to training and to getting better at pitching and to getting better at baseball in general. Hitting is a different thing. Hitting is a different beast in and of itself. So I'm I'm specifically really talking about pitching here. If you're adding velo and you're gaining comfort on the mound and you're gaining cutting comfort in your mechanics, does it really matter how many innings you're throwing in the summer with the travel team? You probably want to play for your school team because it's free, right? Or usually it's free. It's like less expensive than a travel team. Travel teams are fucking expensive, man. Like I think that money's better off in training. If I'm wrong, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I feel like that money might be better off going to training. So I don't disagree with you, and I think this is a fun topic for a, a, a larger day. And but um, I think the reason that travel baseball is is important is because it helps get your name out there, and ultimately, like recruitment. Listen. You gotta play. Like you gotta, you gotta play against opponents. Teams need to know how you do in a game. It's a little, it's a little less important for pitchers than it was before, but it's still important. Um, yeah, I mean, it's if you are a high school player and you want to go play at Wake Forest or LSU, though, you got just play. If you play for your high school team and you're good, they'll give you something. Like you go to the camps. Most of the teams recruit out of those camps. These these guys, these top twenty five teams. I bet you 85 to 90% of their recruits come from their camps. I would bet you that that's what they do. And as they should, like they can just go look at your stats and look at your numbers and talk to your high school coach to know how you are and everything like that. Once you come to play for them and they put you in a game situation, they put you on that mound in those camps and everything, they kind of learn everything they need to learn. I mean, they're going to see how you handle a moment because it is daunting. I mean, if you're a guy who goes to the, you know, Vanderbilt camp, and you're out there on the mound, and you got a pitch, and you're facing this dude who is one of the 15 best hitters in the country at your age level, and you got to go show out in front of the coaches. That is the same level of pressure that you're going to face in the College World Series. It's this. I know people are going to be like, but there's not thousands of people. You're not hearing those people at that point because you're so focused on getting these best of the best out. It's the same situation. It's the same thing. So if they see you handle that, then they know that you can handle being a part of a top 25 program that's competing for a college world series. Yeah. And also just like the bevy of guys who throw hard nowadays, man. Like, oh, it's crazy. It's yeah. Like so crazy. imagine like 20 years ago saying, yeah, everybody throws 90. Yeah. Like that's, like, that's even like now, that, I feel like you don't even have to think. I feel like even ago. 10 years ago, like that's a crazy I mean, thing just to say. Think about, yeah. Like I remember when throwing 90 was like, holy shit. Or like throwing 95. It's still, was, holy shit. It's 90. still tough to do. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not easy. I'm just saying more so of like, the people are doing it a lot easier now. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't to take, say, oh, if you throw 90, it's not impressive. If you throw 90, it's, I mean, I can't throw You're 90. one of, you're, you're, you're in the top 1%, man. Exactly. But it's 1%. more like instead of top 0.1%, it's more, it's not the top, you know, 0.5%, it's top 1%. And 0.5% may not sound like a lot, but when you're doubling that pool or you're tripling that pool, yeah, it's still a small number relative to the grand population, but it's a large number within that group. The 100 mile per hour group is a lot, is significantly larger than it's ever been in the history of baseball. It's still an exclusive group, but you catch my you catch my drift. You know what I mean? Like it's like the average basketball velocity is going to hit ninety four at some point, man. Yep. I think, has it? I think it crossed ninety three this past year, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, ninety four, man. Ninety four as the MLB average. Like just just think about that. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, 
Ryan, uh, uh, Scott Boris's clients still aren't signed for another week. I mean, dude, are they are they ever going to sign? It sounds like there's some progress. Like Mon- Montgomery's name has been dropped a few more times recently. I still, why is Matt Chapman not a giant? Like, what is what is the whole? I don't know. Like that just feels like a. It's going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's going to happen. It it's makes weird. too much sense. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say he is definitely going to be a giant. So, yeah, can put that out there. I guess put that out to the wind. But spring training starts not next sourced, week, and these talking. These guys still aren't signed. They're still not signed. Yeah, no, I haven't seen guys struggle this much to find a match than when me and my boys went to the club in Binghamton. You know, oh, I, I was, was going to be like, here's a Oh, yeah, I was going to – You know, I was about to hit I get an opportunity to make a dating joke, I absolutely have to. But, yeah, shout out the boys, though. You know, unfortunately, you know, look, we, 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 we did not – the efficiency numbers weren't great. Man, I don't – now I think about it. Yeah, we, I think we did. I think I think we didn't fail to make any matches. Um or, go Wildcats, go. Go, go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Before we go, uh, Demonte Sabonis isn't an all-star, and that's stupid. That's dumb. How is he? How is the guy who is seventh on the MVP ladder while all the other nine players in the top ten are all-stars, but Demonte Sabonis, who is putting up numbers that haven't been done since Wilt Chamberlain, is not an all-star? This is stupid. Justice for Demonte Sabonis and Aaron Fox, but, like, he struggled for a little bit there. So and I also, um, you know, one last plea. Um, <clears throat> my glorious king, my Leipuki bear, my beloved, my, my glorious <laughs> lord, my, my savior, LeBron James. Don't listen to the Knicks fans saying it would feel different if we won a title nose with you here. My Pookie bear, my love, please come to New York. We need you. We need you more than we need. I've if will LeBron you, will you James. Draft, will you draft Bronny with your first round pick just to dude, get LeBron? Would you do I would, that? I would cut off my left and right foot for LeBron James. Draft Bronny James? That's not I would draft Bronny James. We got the first overall pick. And Victor Wembanyama and Nikolai Jokic were both on the board. I would draft Bronny James and LeBron James was a Nick. I would do anything for LeBron James to be a Nick. I'm being so serious. Oh, my. I would. Oh, my God, dude. I would do anything. LeBron James. Don't listen to the Knicks fans saying, we don't want LeBron New York. We don't need him. There's somebody who's like, ah, it's like if KD went to the war. It's like when KD went to the Warriors. It's like, first off, we have we have no rings in the last 50 years. Love Jalen Brunson. Love Jalen Brunson a lot. Jalen Brunson's my fucking guy. Um, but like Steph Curry is a different animal. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's yeah. a different cat. That guy's two had two MVPs and then KD joined him. They had the best record in the world, all that shit. You know, LeBron James, please come to New York. I need you. Please. Please. Like, I need you. I I need you. I and Like, imagine Aaron Judge and LeBron James, like, dapping each other up or something. I'd cry. I, I'd honestly, I'd, I'd Juan cry. Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, LeBron James, Jalen Brunson. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my I, gosh. Oh, and of course, can't Me, forget um, OJ Anobi. So, yeah. Meanwhile, the Nets exist. Uh, but, Ryan, thank you very much for joining me to tonight. Um, appreciate everybody who listened and, and tuned in. Uh, we are very excited for the college baseball season to get underway next week. We are very excited for pitchers and catchers to report very soon. Baseball is just major league baseball is just around the corner. We you know, wish you and your team good fortune. Although Ryan would say, unless you, they're not the Yankees then he doesn't really care, uh, which I can make exceptions. I'll be nice <laughs> we'll guys. Be good luck to everybody. Uh, to our listeners, remember to rate review and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We appreciate all your help and we hope you have a good rest of your week and we will see you soon.